Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. There was a good lesson in that. It's like, listen, when you're running from God after he's called you to do something, don't be surprised if you end up in the belly of a fish because God will get you where he wants you to go. Because as we read through that scripture reading, God's going to take care of his kids. Sometimes that's a nice embrace, a nice hug. Sometimes that's a little spanking on your backside because you're not listening. And he needs to correct you because he loves you. God will chasten those he loves. As you listen to today's message from Pastor James, he teaches you through the book of Jonah the importance of following after God's will for your life. Seek the Lord and do the things that he desires for you to do. God is a loving Father who will embrace and bring correction. Pastor James encourages you to not run away from something the Lord has called you to do. However hard it may be, run after the things of God. Run after Jesus and the call that he has in your life. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Jonah chapter 2 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Bible, Jonah chapter 2. We're, we're just walking through this story together. Look at verse 17 of chapter 1, just so we can get our context. It says, now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Verse 1 of chapter 2. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, or from inside the fish. All right, so we left off last week. Jonah got swallowed by this great fish that God had prepared as Jonah was fleeing from God. Um, Let me show you this map. I have this, I pulled this up. So I'm gonna walk around if you guys are cool with that. Um, So here's Israel, if you can see. There's one over there too, look at that. Here's Joppa, which is on the coast. Jonah's supposed to go here, over there to Nineveh, the left-hand corner there. That's only like 500 miles, okay? So... And now he's probably walking that. So that's, I don't know how long that's supposed to take you if you're walking it. But I mean, that's not that far to the north, to the north and to the east. However, Nineveh is part of Assyria. They're Israel's enemies, okay? And Israel at this point in time is, ex- is experiencing, you know, tremendous uh, wealth, prosperity. I mean, things are going really well for this country. And Assyria has always been a threat, and then God shows up in Jonah's life after he's made this great prophecy and this proclamation to, to the king. And he's probably a celebrity at this point in time because he, he presented a, you know, a very happy message of like, you know, your borders are expanding, all this stuff. And then God says, Jonah, you need to go to Nineveh. You need to go to Nineveh and you need to tell them this message that I have for them. It's a great city. It's a wicked city and their wickedness has, has come up to me. I need you to go to Nineveh to deliver this message. You are a prophet, and he has been commissioned by God. He has been called by God to not only hear from God, but to deliver to other people what God has said. That's what a prophet is. That's what he does. That's what he signed up for. He's been a prophet his whole life. However, chapter one, he resigned. He said, I quit. I'm not going to be a prophet anymore. 
if me being a prophet means that I have to go to a people that I hate, then I quit the ministry, I'm out. Literally, that's what he did. He wrote his resignation letter and sent it in to God and says, I will not go to those people and I will not share with them your message because I know, and we'll see this in the, the next chapter and even more specifically in chapter four, Jonah knows you're a good God. You're a good God and you'll forgive them. And I don't want you to do that. I want you to destroy them. So I'm not going. As if he was God's only option. Now in the story, God is gracious and is using him as his option. But Jonah decides, well, I'm going to go 2,000 miles to the coast of Spain, to Tarshish. I'm going to go that way. So 500 miles in the right direction is where he's supposed to be going. And through rebellion, and there's always a price with rebellion, he found a boat that just so happened to be going to Tarshish. He paid the fee, got into the boat. And at some point in time in that Mediterranean Sea, this great storm was came upon the ship that God had sent himself. He hurled this storm and there's Jonah with all these pagan sailors and Jonah's snoozing at the bottom of the boat as these pagans are, these sailors are like, pray to you, whatever gods, whatever gods we have, just pray to them all because, you know, we're not going to make it. And these are experienced guys who they know, they know they're not going to make it. Then they find Jonah sleeping in the bottom of the boat and they're like, what are you doing? You can't be sleeping right now. You serve a God, right? I'm sure you do. So why don't you pray to your God and let's see if that solves the problem. They cast the lots, the lots fall on Jonah. They all recognize, they all understand, you're the guy, what have you done? And Jonah says, well, I'm a Hebrew, I'm a prophet. God told me to go to Nineveh, but I said, no, I'm not gonna obey you, God. I'm gonna go the opposite direction as far away as I possibly can. And maybe his understanding, this could be, might as well be the edge of the earth right? They don't have goo earth back then. So they don't know that this is, they know it's a sphere. They had some understanding concerning that, but like, I'm going to get as far away as I possibly can, knowing full well that's from the Psalms that he was very familiar with. You can't run from God. You can't hide from him. Okay. God's the best hide and seek player ever. You cannot hide from him. He will find you hundred percent of the time. And so what's the solution? Throw me overboard, throw me into the water. The storm will stop. The sailors keep trying to press on. They keep trying to press on because maybe they can make it ashore. Ultimately, they realize they can't do that, so they're going to have to toss them over. But the sailors end up praying to God, which is what Jonah should have been doing. The sailors end up praying to God and saying, listen, Lord, um, God, this guy is yours, and uh, he's not doing what you told him to do, but so we need to throw him over the boat, and please don't put his life on our hands. Don't put his blood on our hands, because we don't want to, because we know he's going to die. You know, that's a death sentence, and Jonah knew it as well. Jonah, for him, it was, a, it was just a way out. Okay, Spain's not going to work. Well, then I guess if I'm dead, then God can't use me. I guess if I'm dead, then I don't have to go to Nineveh. Little did he know or maybe he did know, but he's just in that stubborn state of rebelliousness and sin. We're not always, my pastor Bill from Amarillo always says, sin, will, sin makes you stupid. That's just it. Sin makes you stupid, right? Your mental you know, faculty, it just doesn't work anymore when you're just in sin. And Jonah is like, well, you know, story will be over. I'll be at the bottom of the Mediterranean Sea and I don't have to go to Nineveh. And God created this. He appointed this big fish, whatever. We don't know what fish it is. I don't, we don't know. It was a, a whale. It could have been a whale. probably was. We don't know. 
but it's a great fish that God had appointed at this moment in time to swallow this rebellious prophet who is not being obedient. And, and there was a good lesson in that. It's like, listen, when you're running from God after he's called you to do something, don't be surprised if you end up in the belly of a fish because God will get you where he wants you to go. Because as we read through that scripture reading, God's going to take care of his kids. Sometimes that's a nice embrace, a nice hug. Sometimes that's a little spanking on your backside because you're not listening. And he needs to correct you because he loves you. Because he loves you. Everything that's happening in Jonah's life, although it's a byproduct of his rebelling against God, God is still working in his life because he loves Jonah. And he loves the Ninevites. And he loved the sailors who were on that boat. The sailors end up making sacrifices and worshiping God as Jonah's floating out in the Mediterranean Sea and this fish swallows him up. And then, so last week we just talked about like how not to end up in the belly of a fish. Just do what God says. Just obey him. Just obey him. Well, I don't want to. Okay. I, listen, there's plenty of times in our lives where he asks us to do something that we just don't want to do. The best advice I can give you is just do it. Just suck it up and do it. Just go, what, what? Do you know better than him? Do, do, that would be ridiculous for me to stand here and say like, well, you know, God, I know you told me to do this, but really, um, I got a better plan. Really? No, I, no, you don't, no, I don't, we don't. Just trust him and just go with it. However, if you find yourself in the belly of the fish, chapter two tells us how to get out of that thing. And you want out of a fish's belly. I don't care who you are. I don't care how much you love fish or fishing. You don't want to be in the belly of this fish. You just don't want to. But that's where Jonah is. It's fascinating. Chapter, chapter 1, verse 17 lets us know that he's in that thing for three days and three nights. He's in this belly of the fish. I'm telling you this right now. I hope, I hope this would be my response. Fish swallows me. I'm praying to God immediately. I'm like, hey, whoa, Lord, this isn't supposed to happen. Like, I think I'm going to die. Please rescue me. I would hope that's my response, but I know this. Metaphorically, I've been swallowed by fish before, and it's taken me many days to cry out to God. It's taken me many days to cry out to God. Jonah's three days, three nights in this fish. And of course, Jesus references this as, you know, concerning his resurrection. But here's Jonah in the belly of this fish for three days and three nights. Now, if this was a well, so you understand, that's like 98 point whatever degrees. You want to know what it feels like? Just walk outside in Galveston, Texas. And that is what it feels like to be in the belly of a well, okay? Because it's hot and it's humid and it, it smells like fish sometimes, right? You're just like, what, where am I? You're in the belly of the well, okay? That's the closest we can get to it without actually being swallowed, all right? But here's Jonah. We pick up in verse one. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from inside the fish. Praise God that we can still pray from inside the fish. He said, verse two, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. Or um, Sheol would be the word used there. I was going to teach from the New King James. That's what was said there. But I'm from the New Living Translation today. It's all good. That's a New Living Translation as well. But basically he's saying, like, listen, I cried out to the Lord in my great, my great trouble or my great distress. He finally reached a point where he couldn't take it anymore. 
he couldn't take it anymore. And so in the belly of the well, or the fish, whatever you want to, however that works for you, but he finally reaches his breaking point. And it took him three days and three nights, I believe, to get to this place. Now, what, what Jonah, he maybe realized, and sometimes if you find yourself in the belly of the, of the well, what you may not realize is that that thing's still moving, okay? That thing that has swallowed you is moving, and there's a good chance it's moving in the right direction to get you back to where you're supposed to be, okay? We don't know how far out into the Mediterranean Sea Jonah was, but I know this, in three days, a fish, a great well like that can swim up to like 1,000 miles, okay? So that would tell me there's a good chance he was halfway to Tarshish when the storm hit. There's a good chance. The other thing would be maybe they were just off the coast and they had just left and the storm hit. And this fish is just swimming in circles for three days waiting for Jonah to pray. I don't know which one it is, but I do find it fascinating that it took him three days and three nights before he finally said, okay, I'm tired of this. I've had enough. <laughs> it's hot in here. It stinks in here. I got seaweed wrapped all over. Most people pay money for that nowadays, I guess. But Jonah's like, I'm not, I, don't want, I didn't ask for this. I don't want this seaweed wrap. Like, no, and I don't want sushi, and I'm just sick of all this stuff. Like, I want out. I want out. At least he knew where to turn to. He shouldn't be in the well, but at least he knew where to turn. And that's step one. You want to get out of the well, you got to turn in the right direction. And that's upward. And that's to the Lord. That's to the Lord. And I don't care if you're in a well or not. I don't, maybe you're on the right path to Nineveh, so to speak, and you are being obedient. Never stop crying out to God. Never stop praying to him. Make it a part of who you are, what you do. Because if you're a normal person, like all of us are, there's a good chance you will end up in a well. And it's better to have it practice. It's better to have it within your daily DNA that you're constantly just crying out to this God who saved you, who loves you, who cares about you. Whether there's storms in life or it's just blue skies and the sun is shining and everything's great, always, always, always stay in connection with the Lord, that vertical thing. Just a good connection with him, spending time with him, in his word, praying, so that when this moment happens in your life, if it does, hopefully it doesn't take you three days and three nights. More than likely, it probably will, okay, if, if, if we're honest. But at least he knows where to go. At least he knows who to call upon. And for the first time in this whole story, he's praying to God. The first time. He gets the message in chapter 1. What should he have done? He should have dropped to his knees and started praying to God, saying, Lord, I don't understand why you want me to go to our enemies. You've asked me to do something that I just, I don't know how to process this. I don't know where to put this within my mindset because those guys are always trying to kill us. They're trying to take us over. Why do you want me to go there? And I'm sure the Lord would have reminded him from Genesis chapter 12 when he talked to Abraham and said, listen, the, the, the blessing and the benefit for the Jew is, it will be for the entire nations, for all nations. God has a heart not only for the Jews, but also for the Gentiles. That was always the intention. It was never supposed to be just for Israel. The intention was a global thing, a global movement of God's grace and his love for all of us, for all of us. What would start there in this little bitty country situated in, in just a, a, a tremendous place on this globe, on this planet, 
what would start there was always meant to expand, always meant to expand. However, through their own rebelliousness, if you read through the Old Testament, the Jews had developed this, this mindset of like, no, this is ours. This is ours exclusively. And then Jesus shows up and through, and we see it all throughout the Old Testament with different prophets and everything, but then Jesus shows up on the scene and he's like, you guys had it wrong. Yeah, for you. And he loves the Jews. He loves Israel. We pray for Israel, the peace of Jerusalem all the time. We love Israel. Love them. I love going there. It's an amazing place. But salvation was meant for all of mankind, all of mankind. And we praise God for that because well, I think most of us in here probably are Gentile. So that was always the Lord's intent. And he's just showing up to Jonah and he could have clarified that to Jonah and saying, listen, Jonah, I love those people in Nineveh. I care about those people. He should have prayed then, but he didn't. He should have prayed when the storm was happening and all these pagans are praying to all their gods. Jonah should have prayed because the storm could have stopped without him being thrown into the ocean. He, it could have stopped if he would have just prayed, but he didn't pray. He didn't pray when he's floating in the Mediterranean Sea. He didn't pray when he got swallowed by the fish. He prayed three days and three nights later after he'd spent all that time inside this fish. That's when he prayed. But at least he prayed. But at least he prayed, okay? The good, the good news, the good you know, end of this story is you don't have a Jonah carcass in this, in this fish. He gets delivered. He gets delivered. So at least he prayed. At least he did that. But he, he, he cries out to the Lord in this great distress. The way that this chapter is set up, it's very similar to a lot of the Psalms. You, you'll note like a lot of similarities in structure. In fact, this is way more um, poetic in, in, its, in its structure and, and how it's written in the Hebrew language. But you'll, you'll note that as you, as you read through this. I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead. Basically, he's like, I, I was, what, where, you know, what was the breaking point? Well, I was about to die. I was about to die. He literally was about to die. I don't know how this works. I do believe this, this is a historical story. I actually believe that this literally took place, but I have no answers for you of how this could have possibly happened. I'm not smart enough. I'm not like a marine biologist. I don't know how all that works of a guy getting swallowed by a fish, how he has the oxygen to survive that long. I don't know. Maybe you do, but to me, it's fascinating. And the depths at which he goes, because he's going to talk about like, I went down pretty far, not just like, you know, to the land of the dead, like I was like knocking on the, you know, the, the gates of Sheol. He's like, I saw like the base of the mountains. That's telling me that he went down pretty deep into the Mediterranean Sea. How he survived all that, I have no clue. I don't know how any of this works, but I do know this. God appointed this fish, and there's a good chance that this was like a specially designed, that maybe this was like a submarine that swallowed Jonah, and somehow it kept him alive. It was literally a fish. I believe that. But I don't know. But the Lord had, through his grace, preserved this man's life, but also allowed him to get really close to death. And it's what woke him up. It's what woke him up. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. Verse 3, you threw me into the ocean depths. No way, I thought it was the sailors. Yeah. See, the Lord was using those guys in Jonah's life because there's a word we use within, within churches. It's called sovereignty, and God has sovereignty, meaning he is in control. He's in control of it all. And so with these sailors who tossed Jonah over, Jonah is recognizing, like, listen, Lord, I know that that was you getting a hold of me. 
threw me into the ocean depths and I sank down into the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me when I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. So he's just recounting this and telling this. Verse four, then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence, yet, yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. And that's obviously a, a reference towards not just his, his reverence for the holy te- the temple and what would be the dwelling place of the Lord and all that, but also reference to his prayer life. It's like, man, I, I was thrown into the water, the, the waves were crashing over my head, and I was sinking, I was going down, this fish swallowed me, and he says, I, yet, finally, Lord, I, I just figured out, I just figured, man, I should probably pray. <laughs> I should probably pray. This is bad. This is bad. I sank beneath the waves, and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth, whose gates locked shut forever. Basically saying, I, in his mindset, now, just side note, we don't really know who wrote this book, okay, or this letter. Could, I believe it was, probably was Jonah. That's what I believe. A lot of commentators believe that as well. It's anonymous, and I think there's possibly a reason for that too. Somebody, whether it's Jonah or somebody that he is telling the story to, it's just in, it's incredible that we have really this firsthand account from either Jonah writing it himself or telling somebody about it. But he's saying, he's like, let me tell you what I was experiencing. And I love that because he's a real person, he's a real human, and he's like, listen, I thought it was over for me. It was over for me. I was heading down. And he went down to Joppa. He paid the fee to get onto the boat. And then when he got onto the boat, he went down into the the bottom of the boat so that he could try to find rest in his escape from God. And then it just progressively, then he goes down into the Mediterranean Sea. Then this fish swallows him. And then this fish is taking him down, down, down. He is rock bottom, literally, literally rock bottom, like to the earth's like, I mean, to the bottom. And then he's like, mountains. How do you see the mountains? I have no idea. I'm totally fascinated by that. I want, I want to know, like, maybe he's thinking like, yeah, there's, I don't know. The, the deepest part of the Mediterranean Sea is like 17,000 feet. I'm like, there's a huge trench that runs right through there. And there's a lot of earthquakes that always happen and all that good stuff. I'm just, I read this and I'm like, was he speaking, you know, is this like literal? Is this figurative? I don't know, but Somehow, he's like, listen, um, imagine as, as far down as you can possibly go, that's where I was at. That's where I was at. I'd like to think that this fish was like maybe transparent, like maybe see-through. And like Jonah's just in the belly, and he's like, oh, man, this is not good. Like, because he's, you know, in, for, for Jonah, more specifically, because he was not a fisherman, and they hate, they hate the Mediterranean Sea. They hate this thing. They don't want to be on a boat. They don't want to be out in this thing. They stay clear of this. And here's this Jewish prophet inside a belly of a fish just going down, 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 down. The transition happens there in verse 6. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth whose gates shut locked forever. He's like, you know, once you cross over, there's no coming back in one sense. He's like, this was the end for me. This was the end for me. But you, O Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. As I'm going down, as I'm hitting rock bottom, I can't go down any further. You can't go any lower. 
can't go any lower. And it's at that moment, this is the breaking point for Jonah. Thanks for joining us today on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James as we journey through the book of Jonah. If you'd like to listen to today's teaching again or hear more from Pastor James, you can visit our website at breadforthebroken.com. Just click on the Teachings tab. There you'll find a variety of verse-by-verse Bible-based teachings. Maybe you're like Jonah and you're wrestling with the call that God has on your life. Or maybe you've been running from God and you're ready to come home. We'd love to walk alongside you and encourage you in your faith. As believers in Jesus, we're called to gather together and pray, encourage, and help one another through life. This is what we believe at Bread for the Broken and Calvary Galveston, the church behind this ministry. If you're looking for a new church home or simply someone to connect and pray with, we'd love to be that person or people for you. If you're ever in the Galveston area, we'd love to have you come visit. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. for a time of worship and Bible study. Our atmosphere at Calvary Galveston is relaxed, so feel free to come just as you are. For more information, please visit breadforthebroken.com. We'd love to connect with you too, so please drop us a note and let us know how you heard about Bread for the Broken and how we can be praying for you. Just visit our church website at breadforthebroken.com and click on the contact tab to fill out our form. Thanks for listening to today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of the-